I'm Megha Kapoor. I'm the head of editorial content for Vogue India. Don't get me wrong, I love Bollywood and I think the entertainment industry is amazing and it's we're so lucky to have that. That's so unique to this market, but also moving beyond that. Sports stars, folk dancers in Punjab actually like looking at what culture is here and speaking to regional audiences. You can be a go-getter and you can edit Vogue and you can still suffer like this because we're all we're all just human. It's our humanness that connects us. I have really actively decided to just be radically honest about everything. Right? Mm -hmm. There's just no point otherwise. And I think for some people that's a bit confronting. You can be humble and like want to do the best that you can and like feel like you have to keep striving but you can also have confidence in yourself and you can back yourself and like both things can be true. The pressure to kind of be so balanced and like well worked out, well fed, like green juice stuff and like all of it but then kind of have an amazing career and like look perfect and like maybe guys don't seem to have that same pressure. So I also kind of resent it in a way. It's like yes. Yeah, you can't do everything. The looking perfect thing is a nightmare. You know, I hate doing my makeup. My feeling was, um, I don't know if I should say this, this is a bit too, but I feel like... Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Mecca. Hello. Welcome to Mumbai's Millennial Mind. Thank you. Thank so, you for having me. So happy to have you here. Been like in touch with someone from your team for months now. So it's really nice to have you on this couch. In the flesh. <laughs> in the flesh. But for people who don't know who you are, Give me a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, what you do. Okay, um, who am I? Well, my, <laughs> I'm Megha Kapoor. Um, I'm the head of editorial content for Vogue India. Um, I am, I've recently moved to Mumbai. Um, the, been in the role now, gosh, how long has it been? Like a year and a half. Wow. Before that, I was in Sydney, kind of doing my own thing, had my own magazine. I guess I'm like a you know, like one of those slashies, an editor, <laughs> a writer, a creative director, a stylist, mm -hmm. just a human. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not Does that, that kind of sum it up? In a, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's so hard for me to talk to you because I really want to do my Australian accent. Oh, please. But I'm really trying to control myself because I'm one of those people that's like, when, I, when you hear an accent, you want to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really going to try not to, to do it. But <laughs> please do. Please so do. happy to have you here. Thank and you. I really want to start with your journey on, you know, how you got this role at Vogue because you've told me a story and it's really amazing. It, you know, it was 
it was it felt a little bit fated I have to say so okay. I, um, I it was 2021 and I think like we were all just kind of coming out of COVID and um, you know was was sort of had doing my magazine and then um, my friend Margaret who's at Vogue China she kind of randomly called me and said hey um, and I think I had just put a magazine to bed and was in um, at the beach at a friend's house, like just trying to like decompress from like deadline pressure. And she was like, hey, would you consider Vogue India? And I was like, I beg your pardon. Um, and then I didn't hear from her. And then I got contacted by Coninast in, in New York. Um, and then, yeah, like started the interview process, met with Anna um, and it, like six months went by and then they were like, you've got the job. No way. Yeah, so that was like, I think, I think I sort of first heard from Margaret in like May and then, you know, officially came on September 6, 2021. And you were headhunted specifically by Anna, right? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, so what were you doing with your magazine before? It was, it was kind of, um, I guess what I might just talk about my, because it kind of, imprint was kind of a culmination of my, my career, I guess, in a way. I, I started as an intern actually at Vogue India. I studied law and politics, but always loved fashion, like was just obsessed with it. I used to dress like a gothic Mary Poppins um, and like, you know, just kind of, you know, but didn't really understand that there was a career path. And then I finished law and was all kind of set to work at a commercial law firm and actually got really sick and was like, I can't, um, I don't want to do this. So I wow. just, I just ended up in India, like, and they had this great um, cadetship program. So was a writer and was mentored by the wonderful Bandana Tiwari, who still contributes to us, who's an amazing talent. Um, and then ended up at Vogue Australia as a fashion assistant, was there for a while and then kind of left and went and uh, was a fashion director at this um, kind of indie mag called Oyster, which was very cool back in the day. And then I just kind of came out of that going, I really just want to do my own thing. I want to create my, my own culture. Um, mm. Back then, the, the independent magazine space wasn't as sort of um, full as it is now. So Imprint was kind of born out of that. It was very much just kind of a reaction to just wanting to create the content that I wanted to do and create the environment that I wanted to create. And yeah, the, luckily, um, we had some like amazing, like Chanel came on board in the second issue and Hermes came on board. and. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so it was just kind of, it was a beautiful biannual um, publication and was really all about, um, which, you know, I think hopefully carries through to um, Vogue India now, was mm -hmm. about not seeing fashion um, in a vacuum. It was about intersectionality and, um, you know, like I think everything kind of feeds into um, everything else. So that was kind of the, the rationale and like the purpose of Imprint. Yeah. And then you got a call from Vogue India and then you moved to Mumbai. Yeah, it was a bit of a process to get here. <laughs> a bit of a process to get here. It took, a, took, took some time, so I was on Zoom quite a bit. Wow. Um, I think for like 10 months or something. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, so it, 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 took a, it took a while, but, you know, I think everything does happen for a reason. And, um, you know, it was... It, and, and to be here now feels amazing. And uh, it's just... Um, yeah, it's been quite the journey, but an amazing journey. Yeah, I love it here. I, I was just saying before off-camera, I want to move here. It's literally just such a lovely city and everyone yeah. is so kind and friendly, which yeah. is, I know I keep saying it so much, but I just really didn't expect everyone to be so collaborative here yeah. and just so helpful. But, yeah. you know, Amazing. moving from Australia 
to here. Yeah. You know, India is such a rich and complex country. Yes. What challenges did you kind of face? A lot, you know, and I, I think, I mean, as, you know, growing up as a immigrant in New Zealand um, mm. and then kind of being, you know, brown girl in a white country in a way, you know, and then you kind of come here and it's like, I'm Indian, but then I haven't grown up here. So, you know, just kind of dealing with that, um, where do you belong, where are you from? And then obviously the great privilege and pressure of kind of representing India for Vogue yeah. and finding, you know, and, and speaking to people here. Um, it's, it's, it's not something I take lightly and there have been challenges and there's a lot of learning um, and a lot of listening and a lot of, and it's, and, and it's, it's gonna continue. Like I don't mm -hmm. claim to know everything and I think that's one of the joys of this job. And I remember Anna actually asked me when she interviewed me, she, in, in a roundabout way, she was like, are you Indian enough for this? Wow. And, and, you know, and I'm so glad she did because I had to think about that back then mm. and kind of brace myself for that. And I'm sure there are people, and I know there are, you know, have been who, who kind of like to say diaspora vogue, diaspora vogue. But the thing for me and what I hope, what we're really trying to do is, is to connect with our audiences with regional audiences and bring everyone into the fold and quite frankly this is an opportunity for me to discover my culture as well so mm -hmm. I approach it like that and saying this is a process of discovery and there's room for everyone everyone's stories and I think one of the amazing things about being Indian is there are so many different stories and there's not just one that represents it all so, so true. my story is quite typical for so many people as yourself and this is our home mm. and, um, you know, yeah, we're Indian enough. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I think there's such a, a difference between in the UK, people always ask, are you Indian enough? Mm. And it's here, it's like, are you too Indian? Right. Right? And so I think so many people are battling with that. Yeah. Because you don't want to be identified as just one thing and yeah. you know, fit under one umbrella. Yeah. And I remember when I was coming here, people said, you know, do you still have connection to your roots? You know, do you even have family there? And I said, well, no, I don't have family here, but I feel instantly connected. And I think that's why when I'm here, where I feel so safe and happy and I can talk to everyone so openly because there is that, there is that underlying connection yeah. between all of us and everyone. Yeah. And I think that's what's so beautiful. But, yeah. you know, kind of moving here and dealing with that challenge, what were one of your hardest days? The, the, there's been a few. Mm. I remember when I first arrived, I think it was like, the, you know the second or third day and I just remember being in the bath and kind of and just I remember feeling so foreign mm. and just I, what had happened that day I think I think there was actually some sort of ceremony like I, I had kind of been like at, at where I was staying there was some like sort of ceremony going on and I think they wanted to, to like bring me into it and I just felt like a bit awkward and like yes. I don't know what to do in this situation and I and I remember just kind of like crying and just being like, what am I doing? He like, what am I doing here? And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just remember feeling so out of my um, depth and a little bit just confused. And um, like I was, I just felt like a real outsider. Um, and there have been, and, you know, I guess moving for anyone, right? When you move countries, it's a, it's a big deal. But, you know, life, daily life is different here. You know, there's a lot that's been tough to get used to. And... You know, I'm used to kind of like in Sydney, you just go and do, yeah, just, you know, I'll 
run out the door and grab whatever I need to do and you, you're quite independent here right. and it's a different way of living you, you're quite dependent on on people and you know you've got it, you know, things can be a bit of a, a process, and right. I like to move fast and like <laughs> things. You know, like the take their bureaucracy, time. they take mm -hmm. their time, and you can't rush that. So it's been, it's been kind of just like learning to accept it and to adjust with that, and not kind of. I think you know, aside from those really hard days, I think just generally in the first few months, there was this kind of sense of like. Oh no no no! But I've got to like it's got to be done like this. And like yeah. now I've sort of like just gone just just chill. It's okay. Yeah, you've got to just like let it happen the way it happens. And um, in a way, just kind of take a bit of a step back. <laughs> yeah, it's all okay. It will be fine. I think at the start of everyone's journey, they need everything to be so particular. Yeah, and I'm like that. And whilst I've been here, I've had the wedding and then I've had the podcast, and I have a schedule. Yeah. So every day I have things, you know, podcast reel, personal yeah. photo, podcast reel. Yeah. And they haven't been going to schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And today I was meant to upload something yesterday and it's still not uploaded. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. Like, so what? I'll upload it one day later. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. And I think at the beginning I'm so, like, meticulous. And don't get me wrong, I'm still like, it has to be done today. It has to be done today because if it isn't done today, I'm going to get really frustrated. Yeah. But... I am slowly starting to understand that, you know, not everything needs to be done at the specific time yes. and thing you want it to be done. You yes. need to let go of that control yes. because you're growing, you're yeah. managing new things, you're trying yeah. new things. And this is the first time I've done an international series. Yeah. The next time will be better. I'll learn yeah. more from it. Totally. And I think having that kind of growth learning mindset is, is really, really key. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's perspective, isn't it? It's, it's actually just, you know, and, and that takes time and it takes experience and it's all, and it's, you know, like in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I, I wish that I had just kind of let that go or not pushed mm. on that. But, you know, I, I, I do believe, I don't know, it's going to sound a bit woo-woo, but I do believe things happen for a reason in a certain yeah. way. And like, I pushed really hard in the beginning. And even on Zoom, I was like, it was, you know, working 16 hour days and just like really kind of trying to like affect a lot of change quite quickly. And I, in a way, that's great because it got us to a point where I wanted to be. And now I think it's this lovely stage of kind of like shifting the perspective and being like, let things happen and they will happen when they need to happen and just take a chill pill maybe. <laughs> you're, very, you're very passionate about your vision for Vogue and how you've made changes and, and where you want to go. Tell mm. me about that. What's been that significant change that you've kind of led? I mean, I think um, first and foremost has been an aesthetic change, I think. You know, like we had Vogue Reset and it, that was really about just trying to sort of put forward a new aesthetic vision for what Vogue India represents, you know, something that felt a little bit more current, mm -hmm. um, that was more visually led, um, that was just a little bit more in sync, I think, with, um, you know, like, like a standard of image making and visuals that, that I was happy with. <coughs> and, you know, so there's been that side of it. And then I think it's it's been really centered on, on storytelling and inclusi inclusivity. Um, and not just, don't get me wrong, I love Bollywood and I think the entertainment industry is amazing. And mm. it's we're so lucky to have that. That's so unique to this market. But also moving beyond that. Yes. You know, like sports stars, um, folk dancers in Punjab, like just actually like looking at what culture is here and speaking to regional audiences. You know, we did our first Hindi language in the bag. So it's just been, it's been really about just opening it up. And, you know, I think everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna come in with a specific vision. And mine, 
I'm, I'm a visual person and I think part, that's part of why I was brought on. So um, beautiful photography. Mm. Um, I think the creative industry here is incredible. There are so many amazing um, up and coming image makers and designers. And so just kind of wrapping our arms around that community more. Yeah. And still working with the entertainment industry. But I, my feeling was, um, I don't know if I should say this, this is a bit too, but I feel like maybe the entertainment industry and the fashion industry we're kind of lumped in as one. True. I see them as different industries. I think, I think there's room for both and we can come together and collaborate in meaningful ways. But ultimately, the industry that we're in is, is different, right? And right. We, we have to sort of acknowledge that and there's so much more that we need to kind of be um, showcasing and highlighting and, and nurturing. Um, and, and Bollywood is sort of part of that. Because um, yeah. Bollywood is huge here. It's almost yeah. like wrapped up in absolutely everything and you're everything. so right. I don't ever see a brand, like a clothing brand, without a Bollywood star yeah. as their face of it, right? And I think that's what's nice that you're slowly trying to change that. It's like yeah. there's other things that we can explore rather yeah. than just one industry. Yes. So what's been one of your biggest highlights? Oh, there's been, there's been many. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think getting that Hindi language uh, with Tamanna, um, the beauty... I know it, it seemed, probably doesn't seem, it just, I just remember coming in and being like, why aren't we doing local language programming? And so I remember when that came out, I just felt, I don't know, it, it was just such a moment of pride. And mm-hmm. um, I don't, I can't even speak Hindi that well, you know, I can, but it's just, it was just more like to see like a global IP. And obviously it's such an incredible brand, mm-hmm. Vogue, and like to take that, and like and just really sort of spin it into something that resonated here and just also to see the audience the reaction to it was just was really heartwarming you can imagine yeah and on the flip side what's been one of your hardest days here um, <laughs> so many ooh, too <laughs> um sometimes things can be a little bit of, of as we were talking about a struggle so sometimes mm. and also honestly like when you're working in a big company and with many sort of like players involved and you know coming in coming in as an outsider Mm -hmm. and sort of having to kind of navigate and getting people to trust you yes and say let's give that a go and like shift thinking which is definitely happening and also people need to get used to you Mm -hmm. so I think some what I've struggled with a little bit you know um in terms of just like the work has been you know, sometimes it's like, hey, can you could trust trust me on this, or like, mm. you know, let, let's. I'm not I'm not coming in trying to like take over, take over. Like, I want to work with you, and it's just been that push and pull has been has been a bit has been tough. You've talked to me personally about some mental health struggles you you had. Yes. Talk to me about that and, and how you kind of came out of that. Yeah, I mean, I've been really open about, and I think it's important to be open about, yes. um, you know, issues around anxiety and, and depression. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed with um, depression and in, uh, depressive anxiety d- disorder a few years ago. And it's been, um, I think one of the things that's been really helpful is actually just not seeing it as a, that I'm a failure, you know, just seeing it as um, something that, is a part of who I am and accepting mm-hmm. accepting that about myself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of 
that acceptance has come from being open about it um, and not shying away from it. Um, you know, it's, I have my good days, I have my bad days, as everyone does. It's yeah. not, there's not like a finite sort of moment where I went, I'm okay now, you know, but it's, mm. it's a process. Um, I think that's one of the most amazing things though, about being a woman and like, I, you know, being in like your mid thirties. And I think just that process of shedding and just kind of like growing up has been, um, it's been a really intense one for me with this job, yeah. you know, um, and moving and, and all of that. So I've really done a lot of work on myself and there's been a lot of self discovery, but um, I think, I hope, um, I'll, I'll just continue to be open about it and I just hope that um, if, that, if, you know, it's, that it's okay. It can, you can, you can be, you can be a go-getter and you can, you know, you can, you can edit Vogue and you can still suffer like this because we're all, we're all just human um, and I think it's our humanness that connects us um, and yeah, I, I think honestly, like it's being open about it has 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 helped me in sort of forging connections with people and not just seeing you as like, yeah, you know. Um, but it's it's a process, you know. Right now, I'm in a really good space. Yeah, really, really good space. But a few months ago, not so much. So it's it's being cognizant of that. Like there are ebbs and flows, and just being conscious of like what the triggers are and actually mm -hmm. recognizing them. Probably shouldn't be drinking so much coffee. <laughs> the same as yeah. you. <laughs> I feel that, you know, a lot of the time when, when we go through different emotions in our life, people see them as static, yeah. right? So if you say, I'm suffering through depression at the moment, people will say, well, how are you going out? How are you doing this? How are you coping? Yeah. Uh, if I say I'm anxious or I'm busy or I'm really stressed, it means I'm stressed, but it doesn't mean I, I want to stop or I, I'm, I'm not enjoying what I do. And yeah. I think we put these labels on as, so true. as, as and we pigeonhole people in, yeah. in, into them. Yeah. But you know, as a leader and, and as a woman who kind of is so open about that, have you faced any challenges to that? Because you know, I'm the same as you, I'm very open and I believe that being vulnerable with one person will allow them to be vulnerable with you. Yes. And what that does is instantly form a connection. Yeah. You know, if you tell me you're going through something, I'm automatically gonna feel safe telling you. Yeah. And in an organization that's so powerful because you're creating something deeper. Yeah. And you're creating a deeper bond. But often some people can use that as a weapon against you. Have you have you felt that at all? I think I think some of my um you know I, I kind of also came in a few month, a few months ago, like six or so, I, I kind of decide really, I have really actively decided to just be radically honest about everything, mm -hmm. right? It's, there's just no point otherwise. Now, I think for some people that's a bit confronting. Yes. You know, it's like, can you just not, yeah. you know, like whether it's on my social media, like I'm, I'm pretty much an open book, you know, like it's all kind of out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think sometimes people are a bit like, just, Put it like away. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no, like, you don't need to. Um, but, you know, I think we, we've all, we all exist in, we all have to find the ways to exist in the world that kind of feel authentic. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is such a funny industry. And yeah. there's a lot of, like, you know, like, I, I don't know, posturing and, like, <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of faces that people put forward. And, yeah, so I think, yeah, I think a, a lot of people have and people have said to me like oh, th maybe that's a bit much mm -hmm. um so there's been and, and that's from friends as well like yes. people I really who I really and you know value their opinion and they're like maybe don't 
but then yeah I think one of the things about growing up is just kind of go okay I, I respect that I can see that but I have to exist in the world in this way don't, so I don't know how to be yeah. anyone else <laughs> because I think when you start sort of that's the other thing when you start kind of like I'm sure it's the same with you people have will kind of you can take everyone's advice of course but you can get really confused by it mm-hmm. and I have been in that position as well in this job where I was kind of listening to too many people and kind of going okay but and it's like it's at the end of the day like I'm so grateful for everyone's advice and you know that I have people that I can lean on and talk to but you have to make the decision yourself so true and you need clarity in that so um, yeah and spending time in solitude will always give you that I say mm. it all the time to spend time alone figure it out yeah because when you ask other people for their their opinions everyone's gonna tell you a different thing yeah and suddenly you're not left with opinion you're left with everyone else's thoughts absolutely and so you know for me I at the start of this podcast I would tell people my ideas yeah and some of them you know were probably not that great I wanted to call this podcast the Indian problem at first okay. and thank God I told people <laughs> that because they were like it's so negative <laughs> yeah. and I was like oh I never thought about it like that I was just like you know the, an Indian girl's problems they were like no the Indian problem is negative I was like okay thank you now it's a millennial mind yeah yeah uh, so sometimes advice is good yeah. but then there's other times where I've said I want to talk about this topic and everyone's like no 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 no, you can't talk about that yeah you know and I've talked about it and everyone has loved it because yeah. you know the topic around don't ask me when I'm getting married everyone told me not to talk about that they were like it's a you know it's a broken record it's been the most viral video I've ever had and Mm. it's grown my platform Mm. so much because I think a lot of girls feel that pressure a lot of girls feel we should follow this one path in life we should conform to the idea of what we should be yeah and I think it's so easy to kind of fall into that narrative when everyone is pushing it on you yeah so if there's a voice out there that says we you can you can take another path yeah then why should I hide it absolutely right I mean and I got asked, I get asked that question a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you cope with it? I mean, because that's what people ask me. Well, what do I say? And I just say, well, you know, at the end of the day, we all have different parties. It's not like I never want to get married. People think I'm like, and you. I'm, I'm single and I want to get married. I hate every man. I'm yeah, like, that, yeah. that is not the case. I have yeah. a boyfriend. We've been together for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's not our number one big priority right. in life where we're obsessed with it. And yeah. it's fine if that's yours. Yeah. It's just not the same for me. Yeah. Right? Do you think it makes people uncomfortable, maybe? What, to, that we're not married? No, that, that, that you have that. Oh, my God, 100%. Yeah. But like, what's the deeper reason? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, what's like, Do you actually want to be single? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 it's not that. And I don't even want a big wedding, and people are so shocked by that. Yeah. If I had it my way, I would literally put a ring on my finger in a registry office with me and him. Yeah. Get on with our lives. Yeah. yeah. But people find this strange, and they think there's some kind of deeper, like, reason behind Issue. it. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I started with... In the beginning, when I was being asked that a lot, I would kind of, I, I caught myself kind of making excuses. And there was one conversation I was yes. having where I, I kind of went into this debrief on like my relationship <laughs> history. And I'm like, this man probably doesn't want to hear this. And he was kind of look, and it was on Zoom, and he was looking at me kind of going, and I was like, okay, I need to find a solution to this. So true. Um, I just kind of brushed it off. I'm like, no, no. See, maybe, I need maybe. to get better at that because I'm like. No, I'm in a relationship for two years and we're fine and we're really happy, but like at the moment it's just not our priority. And they're like, okay, whatever. And then I'm like, why am I justifying yeah, it to you? That's the thing. But I feel like we have to because yeah. people are like, so do you not want to get married then? Yeah. And it's like this whole long conversation, which I just think, honestly, it needs to change. And it I'm does. happy that it is slowly changing. Yeah. 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 Coming into um, this kind of new role, mm-hmm. there's probably been moments where you've wanted to give up or moments where you felt, you know, 
this is perhaps not what I should be doing. We all suffer from imposter syndrome, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, majorly. <laughs> and I feel like it's it's such a universal thing, mm. and yet not many people share their tools on how to overcome it. Mm. So when have you faced imposter syndrome? Um, all the time, <laughs> all the time, like majorly. Um, you know, it was particularly when I got the job, I, mm. I remember being a bit shell-shocked and, you know, there was a lot of media around it. Um, really? You know, just like when, when, you, when you get the job, like obviously, you know, it's, it's in the news and there was a big thing in like the Australian paper and, and I remember oh. just being like, I, I'm not deserving, like it's just, I'm, I don't know how to, how to cope with this. Um, I think having, being humble, having a bit of humility is, is a good thing and I, I, I don't ever and I hope I never lose that because I think you know that's there's there's a side of kind of imposter syndrome that drives you forward and means that you don't take things for granted it's I it's a privilege to do what I do I'm absolutely so fortunate and um, I don't ever want to take that for granted ultimately it's it's about the work mm-hmm. um, the, the 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 flip side to that is um, just having confidence in you and believing in yourself and knowing yeah. that you, you can you can you can be humble and like want to want to do the best that you can and like feel like you have to keep striving, but you can also have confidence in yourself and you can back yourself and like both things can be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's for me, it's a learning and trying to sort of figure that out um, and just kind of you know back myself because ultimately, as as I'm sure. You, you know as well like if you don't back yourself how how how's a team going to how's anyone else going to back you so you know true. if you're kind of like you you got to be able to make decisions and sometimes it's just you got to fake it till you make it so sometimes i will probably come across like i am just like clear and fierce and like no yes <laughs> you know um but i'm like really unsure on the inside mm-hmm. um so yeah it's kind of that duality is is how i kind of cope with it but my imposter syndrome is really real Mm, yeah, really? like, yeah, like huge. And huge. in that moment, how do you kind of overcome it? So something I do is, you know, when I'm giving a speech or I'm giving a workshop or a talk or something, or even sometimes before I have a guest, I just think, well, they chose to be here. Yeah. They, they chose to be here. I yeah. didn't force them. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah, yeah. paid anyone. I've never paid anyone on this podcast, yeah. which people find really strange. It's so funny. People here were like, so how much do you pay them? And how much do they pay you? I'm like, wow, I wish, I wish people yeah, paid yeah. me to do this. <laughs> Um, But I've never paid anyone and I never will because I believe that if our values are aligned, if the conversation is right, it will impact loads of people. And that in itself one day will kind of come full circle, right? And it will will turn into something bigger. Mm. But I really believe in that moment when I'm facing that kind of worry or, you know, I shouldn't be here or how did I get this? I think, well, I did get it. And so I can either choose now to be nervous and uncomfortable and worried, which is not the Shivani they know of me. Yeah. Or I can be this like strong, confident, yeah. happy girl, which yeah. is what they do know of me, and, yeah. which, and who, which is who I am. Yeah. So which one am I going to be? Yeah. And I think we have it. We have that choice yeah. to make every time. But yeah. how, how do you kind of cope with them? I think I think that thing of like yeah, you you choose, and you also just sometimes I think it's okay to sometimes I feel like we're so I don't know with like you know Instagram tiles telling you to like be okay and be amazing and like everyone sometimes it's like it's it's okay to just like put on a show you know Mm. sometimes if I'm really like I remember like for forces of fashion I was really nervous you know I'm I'm very happy I'm very comfortable public speaking like that doesn't but 
this was kind of my, f it was, Anna was in town, you know, like I was in conversation with her. I had to go out and it wasn't speaking to her. I remember having to go out and address basically the industry and kind of for the first time, like, be there as Mega, the editor of Vogue India, addressing the industry and just kind of looking everyone and looking out into that crowd and just, you know, kind of turning up, not mm. behind Zoom, not behind like the con, not behind anything else, but like actually here I am, full frontal here, you know, like, um, you know, and I, I was, I, and I remember going out and I, I had a shake. Yeah. And my, and my, I lost my, my, I lost a word or something. I hate that. And I just kind of like, I took a deep breath and I just stopped myself for a minute. And I, I don't know, I don't know if people perceived it in the audience. I think maybe one, one person said that, yeah, I could tell. And then I just kind of like gave myself that time and just said, just who cares? Yeah. Just, just, just talk. You can talk. Like yes. just, just, just go for it and talk. You're here now. There's literally <laughs> no turning back. There's nowhere you can go. Um, just um, so that, you know, and, and part of that was, and sometimes, yeah, I think it's, you can feel a certain way on the inside and that's okay and present in another way. I, yes. think, I think, you know, I think men allow themselves to do that, but I think sometimes as, as women and I think, yeah, with the swirl of like having to kind of sometimes, I say this even though I'm an oversharer, but you kind of have to, be a boss sometimes and just mm. be like, you know, I, 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 I will just go home and cry about this later. Exactly. But I have to just, I have to just be like this right now. And that's okay. Yeah. You're not being inauthentic. You don't need to like, you know, like sometimes like that's the, that's the, that's a job that you have mm -hmm. um, and you're in a powerful position and you've just got to own it. Um, and yeah. I think the difference is, is like men allow themselves to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. My, I've <laughs> my auntie, Rashma Sajani, who's kind of like my idol, my mm. inspo for everything that I do, she told me that one day when she was running for Congress in New York, on the way back, she had, was asked to give a speech and she completely messed it up. And she was like, I sat in the car and knew I messed it up. My husband told me I messed it up. But there's nothing I can do about it now. Yeah. I messed it up. Yeah. And I remember when I gave my TED talk recently, I'm being, I was so scared. I weed four times yeah. in eight minutes. Oh, like gosh. I just was going up and down yeah, in the yeah, lift. I yeah. was just so nervous. And now every time I do something, I just think, well, if I mess it up, what a funny story it's going to be. Because yeah. I'm at the start of my journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know yeah. I'm going to get somewhere. Yeah. I know something big is going to happen. Yeah. And so even if I have to give a speech in front of Anna Wintour or whoever yeah. it is, the president of the United States, yeah. if I mess it up, how funny would that be? It's yeah. like funny. Yeah. And so I now just allow myself to think like that. And yeah. then I don't mess it up because I'm yeah. like, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. If yeah. it's a funny story... It's okay. Yeah. And I think sometimes reframing your perspective is really, really, really important. Yeah. But you, you seem to have a reaction when I said men like to make mistakes. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, th I think, I, don't, I mean, I think it's part of, look, this is, I think you have this stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you go into, um, and you know, ultimately I'm a, I'm a, I'm a creative, like I haven't, yes. yeah. And, and you know, there's a, there's an element to like, obviously it's a big corporate company. Um, and I'm not speaking about, it's just, just generally, I think yes. like, you know, I'm not. <laughs> no one in particular. HR don't call me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think there's this, as you sort of grow up and you kind of have more experience and you interact with more people as, 
as a, as a woman and you kind of used to like whether it was TV shows or whatever like seeing men in big positions and suits who were kind of making decisions and kind of like knowing it all right, right. and just having this like knowledge of everything and I think that for me has just has come it's like it's a fallacy yes you know like we know like if you do the work you we know as much you can learn it yeah yeah you got to know you got to know your your shit and Mm. I think I I think women have superpowers in that sense like the women that that I that I work like they they know they know this stuff and I think I think men have gotten away with just kind of like feeling like they have a right to, to certain things and a right to be in certain positions without having to like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I think we work harder. I agree. I think it's more for us. It's we have to be shy. We don't want to be arrogant. We don't want to tap into this yeah. masculine energy of dominating the room. And when we do, yeah. sometimes it's not even the men that are criticizing us. It's the women. Yeah. And I think that's why I always encourage everyone to be very confrontational. Speak your mind. Yeah. Don't you don't have to be rude. Yeah. And I think we we associate being strong and being confident with being aggressive. Yes. And being rude. Whilst with men, it's like, wow, that's so sexy if they're so strong and confident yeah, and powerful yeah, yeah. and walk yeah. into a room. Yeah. Whilst for a woman, it's sometimes uncomfortable because I think for a lot of people, especially in our generation, we haven't seen women like that. Yeah. You know, I don't know a lot of women who are like that in my mum's generation. Yeah. You know, they're very tight, like shy, they're very timid, yeah. they're very yes, yes women. And I think we're raised to be like that, but in, in our kind of generation, because we've seen such a different thing on TV and in different cultures and in different parts of the room, we're like, well, we can be that. So there's often that conflict, I feel, mm. of I don't want to be too strong, mm. but I also want to change, mm. you know? And, I, and every time I am really strong and I state my opinion, I feel guilty. Do you? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. If I'm really strong on something and I get into a conflict with someone, and I know I'm right, but I but I am really strong on it. I feel guilty because I think God, they must think I'm so crazy. Really? Yep. Yeah. All the time. Wow. I mean, and that's you shouldn't feel like that. I know. You know, like I, look, I don't feel I don't feel guilty. But that's you great. know, I've got <laughs> the women in like the women in my family are extremely like that's where it's a you know a stock of strong women who love to speak their mind. I think, but I I, I think that thing of. We, we, I think we back it up more because we, f- we have to. Like, mm. I think a man can walk into it and just, like, assert himself in a way. But I think we come with, like, I, I, I don't know. My experience has been, like, when a woman is doing that, professionally, certainly, is, like, she's got, re- she's got really good reason to be. And she has done her research and she's done her due diligence so because true. she has to. Yes. You know, because, I mean, and, and the other thing is, is kind of, like, typifying women as, like, I was having a conversation with someone about this the other day, like, as a boss bitch or, you know, like, you kind of get categorized, which I find... Woman so, CEO. Yeah, like, it's so, so annoying. Yeah, it's it's like, so annoying. On. Yeah. I find it really irritating when people call me that. I'm just, like, I'm oh. just... I'm just a woman. Yeah. Like you don't need to be like, oh, you're such a boss, or you're yeah. like a, in, your, in your power suit. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just in a suit. Yeah. Like I find it irritating, and I think all these. But some people like it. I mean, everyone has their own opinions on that. I, I think it's nice, but I think there's no such thing as a female CEO. It's just a CEO. Well, it's another stereotype, isn't it? Right. Yeah, you know, it's another stereotype. She's often, I don't know. I yeah. I, I kind of. It's like just put more women in leadership positions, please. Like, I think the more that that happens, the more we sort of permeate like those, those roles and decision making. Then maybe it'll it'll. Um, but yeah, that that sort of stereotyping is something that I don't. I find a little bit frustrating. Have you found that more in India than in Sydney? No, I think it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think that's everywhere. I mean, I think I think that's universal. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I don't think Same it's you know. I think yeah. 
Moving from from Sydney to, to India, what's been your kind of biggest cultural change or kind of thing that you, you found harder in the workplace or easier, to be honest? You know, I worked for myself beforehand. Right. So, oh, you yes, know, of course. there was a kind of like, you know, there are, there are certain, uh, you know, hardships with that. And then also there's this ability to just kind of be like very agile. Yes. Um, I think, you know, whether it's India or just going into a big, like it's, it, there's more bureaucracy, there's more layers, there's more, mm -hmm. you know, there's more processes to go through. So I think as someone that is, you know, likes to make fast decisions and move quickly and whatnot, like it's, it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's going to take like, then it happens and then you're like, okay, great. You know, so it's just maybe, yeah, the, the speed of things is a yes. little bit slower. That's hard to adjust to because I think in my corporate role, I felt the opposite, right? I just right. came from, I just quit six months ago. Okay. I decided to do this full time. Amazing. And now I'm like, I can do things at 2 a.m. if I want to. Yeah. I can do things at 4 a.m. and I can make the decision. Yeah. So it's done. Like yeah. it's instant. Yeah. Whilst I think when you work in a corporate, it's it's very, very different and you have times. And But on the flip side, it's also, you know, I used to have days where I could just log off and yeah. be on holiday. No. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean... I think that's, you know, that's been another, because I worked for, like, I think when I came in, I was kind of approaching it like it was my, yes like, biz and kind of getting into everything. And I think now it's just like, just, you can back off certain things, you know, it's mm -hmm. not your, it's not my business, you know, yes. I've, I've been, you know, I've got the privilege of sort of like being the custodian for the, for the brand at the moment for Vogue. But um, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, that when you're in, you know, uh, entrepreneur and sort of working for yourself there's a there's a kind of intensity and an obsession and a kind of like never off switch that um, I probably have brought to the role a little bit that I need to work through there's a lot of people that would be listening to this saying we're encouraging hustle culture yeah yeah right? sorry yeah um, I'm the same as you I, I think that there is it's so tricky because you know everyone wants to do something and no one wants to work hard, right? Like, if you want to be amazing at something, unfortunately, you, you do have to work hard. If you want to get good grades in school, you have to work really hard, right? Yeah. So at all points in our life, we kind of go through that. But how do you kind of strike that work-life balance? I, you know, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm really honest about that as well. Yeah. Like, it's, I think, I don't want to perpetuate some sort of, like, fallacy that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm amazing. I wake up a minute. I, I don't. I don't. Like, I, I eat like a 15-year-old boy. I drink way too much coffee. I'm definitely not hydrated. Like, I... We're like the same person. Are we? I drink zero water today and I've okay. had three coffees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's and that's okay too. Like, yeah. I think the balance for me has been like, okay, just tr try, but maybe you need to sleep. You need yes. to do certain things. Like, it's just basics that have become like self-care. I'm, I'm getting better. Yeah. But... I, I don't strike a work-life balance. I'm, I'm probably objectively really, really out of balance. But um, the balance for me is kind of, yeah, it's like not making that another thing to feel bad about. Exactly. And I think that, you know, at different stages of your life, we'll go through different things. When yeah. I was younger, I was really not like this. I was in a job, which I didn't like. I used to sleep there on the way there, sleep on the way back, chill right. out, watch TV in the yeah. evenings, do nothing. Wow, yeah. That was my life then. Mm. Now I'm like living a completely different life yeah. and if I want to be in Mumbai and record 15 podcasts while I'm here in a day then and that makes me happy then I'm going to do that yeah. and if someone else is watching and thinking well you're literally not spending any time with your family and you're not doing this then that's your choice yeah. and I feel like I've become more comfortable with that that's you know good. we all have our own choices yeah. we all own have our 
own path and yeah. at different points in your life you may choose to work harder mm. and then relax more yeah but I would say vitamins I've been a lifesaver for me okay. because I can't sleep okay okay vitamins really help okay keep me energized I've got some here so okay I'll, yeah I'll, 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 tell I'll, I'll, I'll take you I also think that's something that comes on women as well like I, I don't hear guys talking you know like it's not yeah not to be so but like it, the pressure to kind of be so balanced and like you know like be sad you know, like well worked out, well fed, like green juice stuff and like all of it, but then kind of have an amazing career and like look perfect and like, I don't know, like I feel like that, I don't know, I feel like maybe guys don't seem to have that same pressure. So I also kind of resent it in a way. It's like, yes. we're kind of, yeah, you can't do everything. The looking perfect thing is a nightmare. You know, I hate doing my makeup. I you, hate you do doing look my, perfect. No, no, though. honestly, people are like, what's your skincare routine? And I'm like, I have two things. Yeah. I 90% of the time don't really use them okay. because three times a week I sleep with my makeup on Damn. and the other three times of the week in London, yeah, all the time because yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. So yeah. I sleep with my makeup on and then in three times a week I'm in London yeah. and I can't carry my gym stuff, so yeah. I stop going to the gym. Yeah. I can't carry my two laptops for my podcast. I can't carry my clothes for the podcast because I can't wear them into into, mm. into London, my, my commute is an hour mm. and I can't carry my heels and my trainers and everything in one bag plus food. Yeah. So I, same like you, I eat like a protein bar and a sandwich, I just grab it on the way and yeah. like a, a shake, whatever yeah. I can do. And my makeup, by the way, because I do my makeup on the train. Yeah. Some people are like, what's your skincare routine? I'm like, I'm so sorry to disappoint you. I just don't have that? a nine step skincare routine. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, and I go somewhere and they give me like a mini eye cream and a mini face cream, that's in my makeup bag and yeah. I use that. When that runs out, I get another sachet. You know, I'm so sorry. I like. I think a lot of people think that. Are they They look at you disappointed. Yeah, so many people here are like, do your skincare routine. So I, did, I showed them. I was like, this is the one product I use. <laughs> this is another product that I'm going to try. It's unopened, as you can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Good. it's funny. I think that, you know, we all believe that, you know, everyone has the same path and we all should follow into that. But sometimes it's nice to hear that not all of us are perfect. And I'm sorry for women to get ready and to do their hair. It's a bane of my life. Oh. It is the bane of my life. But I still succumbing to this pressure of wearing makeup. One day when we do this uh, bedroom series, sorry, yeah, yeah. that sounds really, really <laughs> rogue. It's not a bedroom series, <laughs> feet up series. Then we can wear no makeup and have our hair in a bun and chill. Yeah, yeah. Nice I mean, I, I have to say I've got it down to like, I literally, I mean, I came here with wet hair. It <laughs> might still that. be a bit wet. No, it's not. But um. Yeah, who's got the Who time? Cares? Who's got the time? Like I smear it on. Like I probably, you know, like, yeah. Come, come, like eyeliner is like ever since I've moved to Mumbai, I'm really loving wearing eyeliner. Yeah. Um, I use the same lashes. brush for my setting powder, my bronzer, and my blush. That's and then the foundation. Same Why brush. What? Foundation as well. Because after I use this brush for foundation, but then you have to like blend it a little bit. Okay. Okay. So I just blend it. Your makeup is, I mean, is very well done. I have to say. You could go in there and see it's one bug. Okay. It's pretty great. You probably should do a video on that, to be honest. <laughs> I know. But people are going to be like, you're so unhygienic. Why do you use the same brush? I'm a bit scared about that too. Yeah, yeah. My finger for my eye, <laughs> eyeshadow. Yeah, honestly. There are a lot of people that are watching this that probably think, okay, how do I get to this position? You know, how do I start? What do I do? What advice do you have for any aspiring entrepreneurs or, or, or young women all across the oh world? Gosh. Um, I, what advice do I have? Just trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think you're told, that's what I, I mean, that's what I did, right? Yeah. Like I, I was, I was meant to be a lawyer. Like I, my poor parents, you know, like I had seven years at uni and like I was meant to, and then there was something in me for some reason that was like, no, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna not do that. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna like trust my gut and I'm gonna t 
take, I, I love fashion and I, I love to write and I love, and I don't know what it is. And I was so naive and I think, thank, thank goodness I was so naive because I think if I knew, had known more at the time, I would have been too scared. Yes. So I think when you're figuring it out or you have like something in you that's kind of calling you to just trust it and go yeah. with it and you know, like nothing's forever. So like so you, there will be changes and things will ebb and flow and you know like and that's okay but just give it a go because I think ultimately like whether people you know look at my career if you look at my career it's 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 been a sum of parts and this mm -hmm. and a sum of really sort of instinctual decisions that kind of took me in certain places and I did not have a plan yes. I still don't have a plan <laughs> I don't know I, I'm not a five-year plan I just I, I'm not like that I, I kind of and maybe that's really terrible advice. No, I think, you know, so many people for years and years said I should quit my job, right? From like the moment I started the podcast, right. everyone was like, you want to do this full time? And for the first year, I was like, no, I could never. What mm. are you talking about? How would I ever make any money from it? Yeah. In the second year, I kind of was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Mm. And then last year, it's only been two and a half years, but at the end of last year, when my platform was growing, mm. I remember thinking like, if I got to do this every day, how happy would I be? Yeah. And my parents were like, do not do it. Don't take the risk. What are you going to do? You don't have a house. Yeah, You're not yeah, married. Yeah. What, how are you going to have kids? Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I remember thinking, look, if I don't do this now, then I will never do it. Yeah. Because I love it now and I'm, I think I'm good at it now. Yeah. So why don't yeah. I try? Yeah. And I think taking the risk was the best thing I ever did. Yeah. And I wish now I took it earlier. And I think, you know what? Like you said, nothing is forever. Yeah. I said to myself, I'm giving myself a year. Yeah. I'm six months in. Yeah. If after six months it doesn't work out, I'll still have my corporate job. And yeah. what's so amazing on this podcast is there's so many powerful Indian women who I've met and all of them have told me that they studied law. So there must be something that we all had in common of our parents were like, you're good, you're really strong, you're argumentative, you can, you can good portray yourself way, yeah. Yeah. you're good at English, yeah. you can convey yourself in a strong way, yeah. be a lawyer. Be a lawyer. And that's what I mean is that, you know, we believe that these characteristics will equal this job. Yeah. But actually, there's so many different roles out there, and yeah. we can carve our own. That, that's the thing, and you don't know. I mean, look, if, when you're at school, you just have no idea. Of course, like you don't know what's what's. I mean, maybe maybe kids are more savvy these days. Yeah. With social media, <laughs> I don't know. Like, but yeah, I think I think you have to trust your trust your gut and the yeah. instinct, and and you know, I think ultimately, like, don't be scared because mm. you'll you'll you will figure it out, and yeah. that it, I don't know. It sounds wishy-washy because people said it that does. to me. Yeah. But now I say that to everyone else. Like, yeah. you will figure it out. Yeah. You know, every month I still don't have, a, like, I don't right now have any money coming in for May or yeah. even April, what month are we in March? But somehow at the end of every month it, it comes in. Yeah. And I'm like, it, it will figure itself out. And yeah. every month I'm like, oh, wow, I had no idea that was going to come into my <laughs> life. And then, you know, now I just don't worry about it because yeah. I just let it be. Yeah. And I just think, you know, Everyone goes through a path where everything is up and everyone will go through a path where everything is down, but that just means we're living. Absolutely. You know, we're Absolutely. living our life. Yeah. If it was like this, it would be boring. Very. And it'd be stagnant. Yeah. And so let's just enjoy. You have nothing to talk about. Exactly. It would be a podcast. Everything is a story. Yeah. That's exactly. how I do everything exactly. That's that. a great way to look at it. Yeah. Everything is a story. Everything is a lesson. Everything is going to be me giving a speech. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and talking about it. Yeah. But 
Thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to connect with you in person and to start this kind of like really exciting journey with you. Yes. So you, thank and you. And come back to Mumbai and, and work for Vogue. I would love to. Uh, you heard her, yeah? She's giving me the job. Yeah, she's, it's, it's, it's now recorded. Yeah, it's done. Verbal contract in law, I remember that. Yeah, it's yeah, done. okay, okay. Signed and sealed. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Everyone, and thank you so much for listening and watching this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could please press the follow, like, and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me.